Welcome to the Gigabyte Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything related to cryptocurrency and digital assets. We're making complex ideas and concepts seem quite simple. Joined by my co-host uh, is James Kelly, the co-founder of Gigabyte Investment, alongside myself, and an economics graduate. And that'll come in handy for today's topic. How are you, James? Doing really good, Sam. Thank you for that great introduction. And yeah. just really excited to start this podcast with you. Yeah. So what is the topic of today's episode then, James? So in today's episode, we're going to start off with what makes Bitcoin valuable. Okay, well, there's a few ways of looking at this. So we're going to try and make everything on the podcast seem very simple so that anyone and their mother can understand what's going on. You know, there's there's definitely a barrier of entry to cryptocurrency because people are like, what is going on? What makes this thin air, this online digital coin valuable? And that's kind of what we wanted to go with today. So I think the best way to start this, James, is what makes anything valuable in traditional assets so you've got houses gold cars anything what like there's a few ideas and as an economist you can say you can speak to this definitely what would you say gives anything value well i say the most obvious answer to that question which also applies to almost all equity markets almost actually almost every market and as an asset class is basic laws of supply and demand so the the reality of bitcoin is that there's 21 million bitcoins that can ever exist so supply is capped at 21 million, whilst demand is not infinite. It's just very, it's very high and it's increasing. Okay. Yeah. I think we'll kind of move down, down the line once we've we've moved on a little bit. We'll talk about a little bit more about the, the supply and demand cycles in Bitcoin. And we've actually got a blog post coming out about that and how it is capped and how the amount of Bitcoin that can be mined is halved every few years. But we'll come back to that. So there are a few ways to determine values in, in valuations in traditional assets. So like you said, supply and demand, right? Everyone kind of understands that. You know, it's economics 101. It's pretty basic stuff. Then another one, would, I suppose, would probably be the willingness to pay. So maybe talk us through that, James. So willingness to pay is pretty much how much an individual is willing to give up in order to, in order to acquire something else. So when we're talking about willingness to pay in cryptocurrencies, what we're really looking at is how much fiat currency, so dollars, euros, any kind of government issued currency, how much fiat currency are they willing to give up to acquire a certain amount of cryptocurrency? Okay, yeah, and that kind of that kind of makes us the same sense in terms of like a car, for example, you know, like a exactly, car yeah. could be worth, you know, it could be worth whatever the salesman will put it up for. But if you say, I'll do 10 grand less, that that's that kind of determines the like the value of that can go down because it's whatever they will accept from you, and in versus what you're willing to give, um, and that also just on the car one as well, it kind of it kind of leads us pretty nicely into another determination of valuations, uh, labor. So labor is a pretty interesting way to decide what something's value is, and it's kind of like a a classical uh, economics approach. Uh, and it kind of talks about the, the labor theory of value, but we won't really go into that. That's a little bit more complex. Um, kind of just how much a, an object is worth whatever the amount of work went into it. So say the, there was a pot, right? A pot, a, a clay pot, and it took weeks to make. It's the most perfectly crafted thing you will have ever seen. That is going to be a lot more valuable just based on how much work went into it so they are more likely to put the price up for that so that's kind of just the basics of labor in general you know i don't think that's 
that's particularly uh, surprising. Then you've got some some weirder ones with uh, with what makes assets valuable. So like the subjective theory of value, which is kind of just there's no like an asset or an object doesn't have to have intrinsic value to be valuable. It can have value to an individual. So like a family piece of jewelry, that is a form of value because someone values that very highly. Now, whether it's not monetary value or not, that, that kind of is irrelevant. It's still valuable. And then finally, a uh, store of value. And that's this is a good way to go on. Uh, James, what, what is the store of value? So store of value is basically how much value is placed on an asset. So what is that asset worth at market value? Yeah, and then like an example of that would traditionally be gold. And this is kind of something Bitcoin's kind of moving into as well. Uh, like Bitcoin isn't just a currency or a, a transactional idea. Um, it, it holds its value. At it Like storing value in things other than cash is efficient in times of inflation, which we are currently seeing. Um, so I think that's kind of a good background into what determines value normally in anything in general. Uh, and that's kind of just general economic theory. We can kind of move on then to what determines value in Bitcoin. It's worth saying that Bitcoin was meant to be a currency, just like the dollar, just like the euro. So we have to look at it from that perspective as well, because Bitcoin is a versatile asset. So one could consider it a traditional asset, but it could also be applied as a currency, right? So a successful currency has six key attributes. So scarcity, divisibility, utility, transportability, durability, and counterfeitability. So we've already looked at scarcity. We've kind of said, you know, that, that comes with the supply and demand a little bit. And this is, you know, there's only so many dollars that exist, right? And that gives it value. And the more dollars you print, the less value they have, right? That's 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 basic inflation. That's what we're actually seeing at the minute. Um, but then there's divisibility. So James, what is divisibility? And like, how does divisibility work with the dollar first? So, so for the dollar, basically, as you know, the smallest denomination of a dollar is one cent. So one one hundredth of a dollar, that is the smallest amount that you can physically pay with. And no other kind of, no other physical currency exists beyond that. Yeah. However, and then for, what's different about for Bitcoin then? So for Bitcoin, as you know, there's 21 million Bitcoins exist. And if you could only ever own one Bitcoin and nothing less, well, then Bitcoin would be a disaster and it would have no place in the modern economy. However, Satoshi thought about this and it's not the case. So Bitcoin is divisible up to eight decimal places, which means that it's divisible by 100 million. So you can have one 100 millionth of a Bitcoin. So it's obviously okay. it's a lot more divisible than the dollar. And each one of these kind of units, so the smallest unit possible, has been kind of dubbed at one Satoshi. Okay. Yeah, and that kind of makes it easier for everyday transactions, you know, because like you said... Sending a Bitcoin, which of, as of right now is worth, what, $33,000? That is not the most effective thing to do, you know, especially if you want to buy a Coke in the shop. Uh, you're not going to be using one Bitcoin. So divisibility is important. Otherwise, everything would have to be valued at 33000 in Bitcoin's case. So that's that's one reason. And, and Bitcoin is definitely better than, than fiat currencies or dollars or euros in that case. And then we've got, let's look at uh, transportability. So... Thanks to crypto exchanges, wallets, and other tools, Bitcoin is transferable between parties within minutes, regardless of the size of the transaction with very low costs. So 
you can easily and not physically transport Bitcoin via the blockchain. So you can send it much easier. It's much secure, much more secure, right? For example, so if you look at gold, right? I think gold is a pretty good comparison to Bitcoin. Uh, to transport gold is a pain, okay? Because there's security concerns. It's expensive to transfer, you know, it's it's heavy, especially if you're transferring it en masse. It doesn't really work that well. Same with dollars even, you know, it's an expensive operation. It takes, you know, it's just so much easier because it's not a physical thing. It's safer and it's cheaper. So in that case, it's also one up on the dollar as well. And then we've got utility. So James, do you want to talk us through utility? So the thing about about kind of about Bitcoin and utility is that Bitcoin has almost a universal acceptance. So no matter where you are around the world, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Yeah. And everybody accepts that one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin and everybody accepts the price of Bitcoin as well as it's a market determined price. Okay. I would definitely say, however, though, like Bitcoin is as a, like a, as a way for paying for goods hasn't really gotten there yet. And it is getting better with time, but I would have to say that the dollar would be, would beat Bitcoin on this one uh, for now, you know, like we, we, we now see Bitcoin as a official currency of El Salvador and that is historic. You know, that is, that is breaking through and it is definitely making Bitcoin have more utility, but I think for now it's not quite there. So if we're comparing currencies, I think Bitcoin's a little behind on that one. I, but I mean, if you look at how long a dollar has been around to perfect itself uh, versus how long Bitcoin's been around, I think it's doing pretty well. And then we've got durability. So durability is like a major issue for fiat currencies in their physical form. Like a, a dollar bill is sturdy, but it can be torn, burned, and rendered use, unusable. Digital forms of payment aren't susceptible to these physical harms in the same way. Like what we said, it's more secure. It's just, you're not burning a Bitcoin, you know? Uh, so this this gives Bitcoin tremendous value in this way. And then finally, there's um, counterfeitability. So James, do you want to talk us through that one? So this is probably the single biggest issue that Bitcoin has solved. So just to give a bit of history, Bitcoin was not is not the first cryptocurrency to ever exist. There have been ones that were kind of developed by the original cypherpunks of the 80s and 90s. But one problem that they always had was an issue called double spending, where because these kind of technologies are simply lines of code. They can be copied and pasted. So you can have one Bitcoin and you can copy and paste the code and create a second Bitcoin. But that doesn't exist and it's not possible to do thanks to blockchain technology. So how that works is every single transaction on the blockchain has to be verified and also it's, it's accounted for. So every transaction is permanently recorded and it's impossible to destroy it unless you gain control of 51% of the blockchain which is which at basically at the current technology doesn't allow it the technology doesn't exist yet to do that so that's a pretty good summary of bitcoin as a currency which is how it was originally intended and i think you can kind of see there from going through each of the the attributes what makes a successful currency bitcoin kind of ticks a lot of the boxes and I would say the only one now that is a little bit lagging behind would be utility and like how how it's used. And I think this is a good transition to talk about why people don't believe Bitcoin has no value because we kind of want to give a balanced approach. So one of the biggest issues with Bitcoin's status is it's, it's kind of dependent 
on its utility as a medium of exchange. So we kind of, a store of value, okay? A store of value needs to have some intrinsic value, okay? And if Bitcoin doesn't successfully become a good medium of exchange, it kind of has no utility and therefore will have no intrinsic value. And that will make it kind of unappealing as a store of value. So everything that would make Bitcoin valuable will kind of fall apart if it doesn't start becoming more usable, you know, if the utility isn't there. Um, what, what else would you say why people would be speculative about Bitcoin's value? I think one of the most obvious things as well is Bitcoin is a digital good. There's no physical aspect to it. A lot of people would find it hard to believe that, that something, so to say, invisible has value. Yeah. So it's a non-tangible good. You can't. I can't hold a Bitcoin. I can't see a Bitcoin. Yeah, and then as well, there's just challenges with the likes of exchanges. So its its utility and transferability transferability are kind of challenged by um, the difficulties surrounding the storage of it. So in recent years, more so the past currency exchanges that hold the Bitcoin that that you can buy your Bitcoin from. They've kind of been plagued by hacks, thefts, and fraud, and these kind of these do have a, a rough history, you know, especially with the ties to the the dark web. You know, Bitcoin has come through a lot, and it will kind of need to shake this this early prehistoric uh, reputation that it kind of had. And then finally, I would say, like different governments and like governmental and institutional views on Bitcoin kind of will impact its value as well. You know, if the U.S. government comes out tomorrow and says we think crypto and bitcoin is the worst thing to ever exist it's going to take a dump you know it's it's not going to be good and if if we want to use bitcoin as a global currency there needs to be countries that use it as a currency and now luckily this was more of a concern before the el salvador uh, adoption of bitcoin and you know we'll, we'll see uh, with time perhaps more countries kind of moving in this direction because we as we said before like it, it is usable as a currency now whether it's the best currency out of everything in, in crypto that's questionable but it's definitely the biggest and you know the divisibility of of a bitcoin definitely makes it very attractive as, uh, to countries as well as the the counter against inflation especially in the poorer countries but that's kind of a little bit anyway about why people would believe bitcoin has no value and I would definitely say, James, maybe you disagree with me. It's kind of fair enough. Like, would you say Bitcoin, Bitcoin's success is kind of dependent on whether it will become a good uh, and utilized medium of exchange? I think a lot of its short-term success will come from that. I, I believe that, that we are in the midst of what I would call Bitcoin mania right now. We see a wave. A wave is slowly encapsulating some of these countries. We see, so it started in El Salvador. We see Panama the growing trend of Bitcoin adoption in Panama is huge and yeah. very likely it it might it, it could get passed as a legal tender in Panama as well. We see Bitcoin mania arriving in Africa in Nigeria where trading volume for Bitcoin has quadrupled in the last month. That is crazy. So I mean we're we're seeing mar- markets of over a billion people. Yeah. Exist here. Yeah. I I think that's a fair enough point as well actually that like short term maybe that that like it, its use as a currency will be will be there especially while it's still quite volatile but i think a lot of the people and this is why it's kind of a speculative asset because we kind of people that believe in bitcoin as the future kind of are betting on it to be the future 
uh, as and I think a lot of people would see it as a store of value in the future, sort of like gold, except safer, like we'd said previously. Uh, and that won't happen until it's less volatile. So I think we'll see that a good bit into the future as there's more Bitcoin being mined, there's more halving cycles uh, and all the rest. Um, but that's kind of, I think we'll kind of wrap it up there. You know, we just kind of want to do a brief introductory episode into what gives Bitcoin value specifically. And for future episodes, I don't think we will focus just on Bitcoin. We kind of, our interests lie outside of Bitcoin mainly, I would say. Uh, but we kind of just wanted to highlight in general, Bitcoin's a great introduction to crypto because you can see it as a currency before all else. And I kind of wanted to just talk about what makes it valuable. And we've kind of gone through that. So, James, do you have anything to add? The only thing I'd say is if you're interested in anything you heard there, don't be afraid to check out our blog. A lot of the topics that we discussed here, we've, we've gone into further detail in our blog, which is released every Sunday. So, yeah, basically, you know, what we mentioned about the, the exchange issues. We, have, we wrote a blog called Decentralized, which discusses this in, in deep detail. Yeah, so you can see that on gigabyteinvestment.com. That's our website. You can go and sign up for our newsletter and you'll get our blog posts sent weekly to you via your inbox, as well as the fact that we post them on our Twitter page at gigabyteinvest. You can catch it there, just a bit of a shameless plug. And I think we'll leave it there. Thanks a million, James. Thank you so much, Sam.